right, folks, we are back with another episode. This is your host, Ryan Kennedy, and I'm going to be breaking down a topic I think there's just an incredibly large amount of confusion about, and that's the concept of is meat healthy for you? Is thing, are things like beef, lamb, bison, red meat something that should be avoided or something that should be included in your diet if you want to attain optimal health? And I can't tell you how many people have come to me for help with their health and nutrition who've been misled to believe that a vegan diet is the ideal way to eat. And I've also worked with many people who have ate a vegan diet and they felt great at first, but as the numerous nutrient deficiencies set in, their health quickly deteriorated. And I really worked with them to help restore good health by bringing high quality, ethically raised animal foods back into their diet. You know, red meat has been vilified by many over the past few decades, so it's reasonable for you to assume that, you know, it's best to avoid. So in this episode, I'm really going to cover why red meat and animal protein has been wrongly demonized and some of the many benefits associated with consuming high quality red meat, along with what to look for, because not all meat is created equal. You know, I've talked about this in past episodes, this concept of food quality and how a food is grown or raised can make a world of difference on the impact and effects it has on your body. So this is going to be a really good one to tune into if you have been swayed to think that a vegetarian or vegan or pescatarian diet is optimal for your health, um, because it's really such a common misconception because the big food conglomerates out in the industry today have done a fantastic job. I got to give them credit. They've done a phenomenal job in their marketing efforts to make people fear red meat. You know, a lot of the mainstream recommendations and medical doctors out there telling people, hey, if you want to lower your cholesterol, which is a topic that we'll tackle another time because that's a big can of worms to go, you know, kind of unpack. Uh, Or if you want to improve your, your, you know, risk or lack thereof, of cardiovascular disease, then you should absolutely minimize your consumption of red meat. It's terrible for you. So why has everyone been told that red meat is unhealthy? Well, you know, at some point in time, we've probably seen headlines claiming this and that the consumption of meat should be minimized and, you know, all these different studies and and even research uh, articles saying that red meat is not good for you. And so one of the primary reasons these these, uh, different research articles and you know, research studies are really not providing accurate results is because they're drawing on what's called epidemiology. Let me see if I could use my words today, folks. They're drawing on studies that are called epidemiology and these draw on association, not causation. So what this means is that scientists are observing data from these nutritional surveys and attempting to make these correlations. So in these epidemiology studies, they're relying on solely self-reported data which is constantly shown to be unreliable. I mean, do you know how many pieces of fruit you've had in the last six months? You know, most folks don't even remember what they had to eat last week. So that explains some obvious inaccuracies in self-reported data. And let's be honest, we tend to overestimate the good things we do and underestimate the bad. So that, that's right off the bat, gonna put some flaws into this type of research. Additionally, there's what's called a healthy user bias in these types of studies. Since many people believe, they've been misled to believe, that red meat is unhealthy to consume often, a lot of health conscious individuals may very well limit their meat intake. However, those are the same people who exercise on a regular basis, who don't drink or don't smoke, who live healthier lifestyles in general. So it would make sense that regardless of their diet, they would have a much lower incidence of chronic disease. 
the real, really the only type of research that can give you a good evaluation on the outcome of a study are called randomized controlled trials. And these are the only types of research studies that can determine if a relationship is causal. And not just drawing on correlations, not just based on associations, they're actually looking at cause and effect. And there has never been a well done research study in this fashion, never, demonstrating red meat to be harmful to our health. Now, the other factor to this is the quality of meat that a lot of people consume and that a lot of these studies are based on. You know, debunking the claims that red meat is unhealthy doesn't mean that all red meat is good for you. One of the biggest issues is that the majority of beef coming from the US and, and other parts of the world for that matter, but especially in America, is extremely low quality. It's coming from these factory farms, what's called CAFO operations, confined animal feeding operations, where the cattle are subjected to these just horrific living conditions. They're really sick animals that are being fed this terrible diet of corn and soybeans, uh, most of which are genetically modified and sprayed with all sorts of pesticide chemicals. And on top of that, this is a huge source of antibiotics because the animals get sick, so they actually put antibiotics in the feed in order to keep them alive long enough because on this very unnatural, horrific diet they have them on of these cheap, genetically modified grains, the animals don't have good immune system function. So in order for them not to all get sick and then you know, die off before they are slaughtered, they're using all these antibiotics. And additionally, they even administer uh, hormones and different growth stimulants in the process uh, in order to help them expedite their, their growth phases. Uh, so you may be wondering, well, why would they do that? Well, simply because the faster a farmer can fatten up a cow, the faster they can sell the meat and the more profit they can make. So, you know, we live in a world where a lot of things are motivated by money and profit margins. And so confined animal feeding operations are absolutely awful. They're awful for the animals, they're terrible for the environment, and they're unhealthy for us, the people who consume them. And sadly, that's the vast majority of meat being sold and eaten in the US today. So I avoid this conventional meat like the plague. You know, I steer clear of it and really recommend people stick to high quality animal protein. So this is gonna be substantially different than 100% grass-fed meat, which have you know, cows and other ruminants that have full access to roam on open pastures. They're getting plenty of sunshine, fresh air, fresh water. They're eating their species-specific diet, grazing on grass, not eating genetically modified, you know, pesticide-ridden uh, grains. And so always go for 100% grass-fed meat. That's gonna make a world of difference. It's a different fatty acid profile. It's gonna contain different nutrients and different uh, lack, it's gonna have a lack of different chemicals and antibiotics and toxins that you're gonna find in conventional feedlot meat. And it's really just gonna be very conducive. Raising cattle this way is the way mother nature intended. It's ethical for the animal, it's healthy for the consumer, and it has a net positive benefit to the environment. You know, many people are under the impression that cows negatively attribute to climate change, but that's only factory farmed cattle. 100% grass-fed cattle roaming on open pastures are actually beneficial to the ecosystem and help to reverse climate change. They actually sequester carbon and are one of the major keys to restoring the health of our soils. Uh, it's really due to a lot of the large-scale agriculture, you know, the monocropping of the corn and the soy and the wheat that our once lush and nutrient-dense soil has become so nutrient-depleted 
And it's a huge hazard, huge hazard to our food production long-term, to our entire ecosystem as a whole. Uh, and there's a great book on this um, called Cow Save the Planet. Definitely recommend you check out if you're looking for more science and a deeper dive into this, this concept that cows raised in a holistic, healthy way can actually be very regenerative to our ecosystem. So obviously one of the benefits of 100% grass-fed meat is the lack of pesticides, the lack of antibiotics, the lack of growth hormones that come along with a lot of the CAFO meat. So that in, in itself is a good reason to only go 100% grass-fed. But it's also clear from a common sense standpoint, you know, healthy animals are healthy for us. Sick animals are not good for us. They'll make us sick. So it's really important that we prioritize grass-fed. You know, there's other nutritional benefits, like they're gonna have a higher omega-3 content. So they're gonna have more omega-3s to omega-6s, different forms of fatty acids that's gonna be very beneficial. They're gonna have more what's called CLA, conjugated linoleic acid, which is an important fatty acid that's been associated with a lot of benefits. Uh, and, and it's also gonna be higher in various vitamins, like vitamin A and vitamin E. And so it's really important that you, you focus on high quality. And yes, yes, you're gonna pay a few bucks more. You know, a pound of grass-fed meat versus a pound of conventional meat, it's gonna be more expensive, no doubt about it. But that is really money well spent because we vote with our dollar and you're voting for a stand against factory farming, against the inhumane, horrific conditions that these animals are subjected to. You're voting for a change in our ecosystem, in our environment, our entire food production system. So not only are you investing in your own health, your own performance, your own quality of life and your longevity, you're also in investing in making the world, the planet, a better place for all living things. Now, another thing to consider when it comes to the concept of meat is that, you know, how you cook it matters. If you're charring the shit out of your steak on the grill, it's not going to be as good for you as if you're having like a nice sear, medium rare steak. That's not going to pose a lot of the same issues from a carcinogenic standpoint as having, you know, super high heat flame just ramping up on your, on your uh, burger or on your steak. So really focus on eating your meat, maybe a little more on the rare side and focusing on better cooking, um, you know, better cooking techniques that aren't going to be creating all, all these polycystic, polycystic uh, hydrocarbons and other byproducts that can be produced by, you know, some of the other forms of cooking with really high heat. So key takeaway from this episode, I'm going to wrap this up folks, because I could talk all day on the benefits of red meat, but understand properly raised, properly you know, humanely raised and holistically managed uh, livestock, particularly large ruminants like beef, lamb, bison, as well as wild game meats, are the best source of bioavailable, bioavailable meaning we can absorb a higher percentage of them, vitamins and minerals for the human body. And when you talk about organ meats, that is just like the bee's knees of nutritional density. So red meat should not be feared it can and should be a healthy part of your diet. And if you're avoiding it entirely, you have to be really smart with targeted supplementation because on a vegan diet, you're gonna be deficient in a lot of key nutrients. And that's why, I mean, I'm gonna do a whole episode just on the topic of veganism. That's gonna pair very well with this one. But just to name a few nutrients you can't really get in the plant kingdom, I mean, bioavailable vitamin B12, bioavailable omega-3s, EPA and DHA, looking at taurine, carnosine, creatine, looking at you know uh, other types of micronutrients that are very difficult to obtain through plant sources. And you know even things like vitamin A. You really can't get vitamin A through plant sources. And a lot of people will hear this and say, oh yeah, yeah, the carrots I eat have plenty of vitamin A, Ryan. They don't have a single speck of vitamin A. 
They have what's called beta carotene, which is a precursor to vitamin A. And all the scientific literature shows clearly that our bodies are very poor at converting beta carotene into actually real vitamin A, which is called retinol. So it's important to understand that just because something says it has this vitamin or that vitamin doesn't mean it's in the right form that your body can actually utilize, that your body can actually absorb. Same thing goes with omega-3s. Some people say, oh, Ryan, I get my omega-3s through my flax seeds and my chia seeds. It's like, no, you get the worst form of omega-3s called ALA, which the body has to convert to bioavailable omega-3s, which is EPA and DHA. And additionally, it's very unstable. You know, most flaxseed, the omega-3s go rancid. You know, they get oxidized, they get damaged due to light, due to different, you know, storage mechanisms. So I don't even, I actually tell people to avoid flaxseed. I don't think it's a health food by any means. But moving forward, grass-fed, high-quality red meat is a healthy part of your diet. And I would love to chat with anyone about this further uh, because there is so much misinformation and there's been so much propaganda and other media outlets really pushing this concept that a plant-based diet is the healthiest diet and that everyone should go vegan and all these documentaries that are funded by the very companies that have a financial interest because you don't make a lot of money off grass-fed meat. There's very low profit margins. You know, these grass-fed, far these farmers that are, you know, raising, uh, you know, livestock in this manner, they're not wealthy. They're struggling. They're struggling to get by. But you know who is wealthy? The big food conglomerates that are making the vegan food-like food crap using all of this, you know, corn and wheat and soybeans and, you know, canola oil and all these industrial vegetable oils. There's tons of profit margin in that shelf-stable processed food. And, and same thing with the, you know, frankenfoods like Beyond Meat and all these different uh, meat-like products that are using soy-based protein and are using, you know, soybean oil and all these terribly horrific things that we should not be putting into our body and are far from healthy. So, hope you found this episode valuable. Hope you learned something from this. And I urge you to leave any questions you have in the comment section below. And I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can find the show notes and resources we discussed at ryankennedyshow.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Much love, everyone.